Welcome back to Butter With That, a movies podcast where some friends from Philadelphia come together and talk about all things movies. My name is Connor, and I'm joined today by Dave and Sam. We've uh, been enjoying our summer break for a few weeks, but we're excited to be back to catch up and talk about movies and TV shows that we watch. So today is going to be sort of a catch-up episode for what we've been watching over the past couple of weeks. But before we get into that, how's, how's everybody doing? How's everybody feeling? Well, it was a lovely summer break in some ways and in some ways not so much. Uh, I kicked things off with a bang and uh, within the span of two, uh, three days, saw Nine Inch Nails, uh, who I adore, and uh, Orville Peck, who I'd never really heard much of before. I was just sort of invited to the show, but that wound up being very fun. Great performer. And those being the first two big concerts I've gone back to in the last two years, I got COVID. So... I did have an opportunity while uh, quarantining to watch a whole bunch of things that I'm excited to talk about. But uh, yeah, uh, would would I risk uh, COVID to see Nine Inch Nails again as a uh, you know a non vulnerable uh, person as far as uh, my health is concerned? Yeah, I'd probably do it again. But uh, but COVID was not pleasant as you might imagine. Yeah, I'm sorry, Dave. That yeah, I feel like it's tearing through so many people right now. I think I know like six people who have it currently. So it's I guess. It's- Last summer, it felt like, oh, there's some hope. And now this summer, there's a lot of unhope. But I'm glad to hear that you're doing all right now. Yeah, I also had COVID. I think I, I had COVID before we went on our summer break, though. Um, but then I got sick again. And then again, immediate, before I didn't even heal. I think I had like mm, three weeks of just, I'm a healthy person. I'm enjoying life to only get sick again. But, but... You just mentioned a little bit of hope. Something that was really wonderful that happened to me in this time is I got a Princess Leia tattoo on my right bicep. It's not done yet. It's um, just the outline right now, but shading is happening on July 8th, and I could not be more excited. It looks super rad. Thanks. Yeah, it's a hell of a tattoo so far. Yeah, Sam, I've loved the collection you've built up over the past, I think, just like even a couple of years, right? Yeah, I think most of mine have come since, like, it's during COVID, so, like, the past two years. I have, like, kind of a, a half sleeve on one arm, and then, like, I don't know what else I'm working on the other. Well, for my summer break, uh, it was, I think, yeah, incur that there was some fun stuff and some unfun stuff. One of the fun things was that I officiated my first wedding in Nashville, Tennessee. Yay, that's so fun! Yeah, it was, um, yeah, some friends asked me uh, nine months ago if I I could officiate their wedding. And I was like, well, I'm not officium, but I can be. And so I am now Reverend Connor Feeney of the Universal Life Church. And it only took 15 minutes. And uh, the marriage certificate went through all A-OK, so. Yeah, I'm a reverend of that church as well, as of, I think, like 2003, maybe. (laughs) I, I had a lot of fun doing it. I kept the ceremony... Uh, 13 minutes, which is really all you need. You nice. know, we had the procession, and then I said some, I had about two pages at 16-point font of nice things to say, a little bit of advice, and then the vows, the vows, the rings, and then we were out of there. So what was the advice? 
oh, just like difficult time, you know, like universal throw unexpected challenges at you, but you two will have each other, you know, like kind of like support mm-hmm. each other, just the some kind of just some nice, nice sentiment about supporting each other. And they're both big athletes. So I said, and you'll carry each other across any finish line, metaphorical and literal. <laughs> and uh, that got a big laugh. Well, congrats to the two of them. That's great. Yes, Stephanie and Dan, um, two good friends. I was very happy to marry them. Uh, Nashville's a cool city. I, um, I'm i excited to go back one day because the wedding kept us all pretty busy for a few days. So it'd be fun to go and stay. It was just outside Nashville. So it'd be fun to stay downtown for a few days, hang out. Yeah, it's awesome. There's like live music at every bar. We did some line dancing and karaoke. I did not participate in the karaoke, um, but some friends did. And there was also Mechanical Bull at that bar, which I also did not do. But it was a fun to watch. Damn, that sounds like a good time. Yeah. Although by Sunday, I was pretty tired of country music. So uh, a little bit of rock, a little bit of pop would have been nice to throw in here or there. But uh, at the at the hometown of country music, uh, hear it everywhere. And Christine, I suppose, is uh, her summer continues uh, this weekend, probably for the next few. Uh, we wish her well and uh, hope she's enjoying. Uh, hope she's enjoying a fruitful time off and a nice summer. Yeah, she's got lots of fun stuff planned. So hopefully one day in the near future, we'll be able to chat about it. Yeah, so we miss you, Christine. We love you. And we hope that you're having a great time. Speaking of great times, let's dive into what we've been watching recently. Um, I've made a list of just four things. Uh, Two of them are TV shows. Two of them are movies. And so we thought it'd be fun if we just kind of went around the horn and just kind of shared out what we were watching. So the first um, movie that I want to talk about is... I saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, the Sam Raimi-directed sequel to 2016's Doctor Strange, directed by, um, which was directed by Scott Derrickson. He left for creative differences, uh, and then Sam Raimi was brought in. Um, have either of you seen Doctor Strange 2? No, but ha- because I the, the reviews were so mixed that I didn't want to risk it to, to <laughs> spend money mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, I've not seen it either. I mean, um, I didn't care for the first one, but uh, love Raimi, so I might have a look at it at some point. It uh, just, as of this recording, I think today, came on Disney+. Plus. Oh, so, okay, well, that's fair enough then. Yeah, maybe I'll check it out that way. That's That sounds fun. I would say that I feel fairly mixed on it. Um, no spoilers in this and kind of just sharing my thoughts, but yeah, fairly mixed. Um, I know this is kind of a controversial opinion. I quite enjoyed the first Doctor Strange. I think it has one of the best third act finales of any Marvel movie. Um, some other stumbles here throughout quite a bit of it, but I think it ends on a really strong note. So I think as a sequel to Doctor Strange, it kind of falls flat on its face. Uh, it feels more like, because Doctor Strange, I think, has been in like four Marvel movies since his origin movie. So it's kind of like this has to play a lot of catch up with all the other Endgame and even WandaVision too, because uh, Scarlet Witch plays a really big part in the movie. So I would say there were like two dozen moments I really loved in a kind of like, did I love this? Did I like this movie fully? Um, the Sam Raimi touches are definitely highlights. I don't know how they convinced him to like jump into a sequel in a Marvel movie, uh, but you can tell that he added a lot of his flourishes. Uh, Bruce Campbell, who's been in like all of his movies, has an amazing cameo. Um, in it that's really great and i mean benedict cumberbatch you know we're in the multiverse so he plays um several different versions of himself so he's kind of you can tell he's enjoying that but it just kind of feels like a straight down the line marvel movie with 
some really interesting Sam Raimi touches. So if you keep your expectations low, if you like most Marvel movies, then you'll probably enjoy it, especially if you just get to watch it at home on Disney+. Plus. Fair enough. Dave, what's first on your list? Well, during the quarantine, I went through a lot of different phases. I went through going back to watch movies that I put off for a long time or wanted to revisit after a long time, stuff like Chinatown and Caddyshack. I uh, went back to um, the Polish film that I discussed briefly on the show before, Escape from the Liberty Cinema, which I absolutely adore, uh, but it's almost impossible to find. And I'm pretty sure I got a virus watching that one again. But um, of the movies that I did watch, I, I really sunk my teeth into the work of Roy Anderson and watched uh, several of his films. Uh, I spoke about him probably briefly at one point also about the film About Endlessness, which is on, I believe, Hulu right now, which is pretty great. Um, there were also a trio of films that he made in the early 2000s, uh, starting with uh, Songs from the Second Floor, then You, the Living, and then the perhaps unfortunately pretentiously titled A Pigeon Sitting on a Branch Reflecting on Existence. <clears throat> it's a little bit much. But the movies themselves are, are pretty great. Uh, they don't really center themselves around like a linear structure or narrative necessarily. Um, there are some recurring characters that appear throughout various motifs that are just sort of uh, executed as vignettes, uh, these sort of vignettes about, uh, they're all pretty dour. Uh, it's a, a Swedish film director who, who seems to be very interested in making films about sort of like a, the early stages of late stage capitalism and uh, just sort of representing that with some symbology that uh, is just sort of like nothing in the world works anymore. Like to the degree that like one of them in um, uh, Songs from the Second Floor, which I really adored, I'd say that's uh, maybe his best work. And that's on YouTube for free, by the way. There's this pairing of vignettes, one of which is a, a magician getting ready to do the classic like saw a volunteer in half bit and starts doing it. And uh, as he's sawing through the box, you just sort of start hearing the man yelp, uh, the, the volunteer yelp a little bit. And uh, he's just sort of like put off by it, but continues. And then the man starts yelping even more. And then we cut immediately to a hospital where they're bringing him in. And this the bottom half of his shirt is practically cut off because he's been cut by this. Uh, so even like magic acts are failing, <laughs> like everything is just kind of falling apart, which is pretty fantastic. Uh, they try to appeal as a society, uh, both religiously and institutionally by uh, sacrificing a child. But then when that doesn't work, they all just kind of get blitzed drunk and regret it and try to flee the country. <laughs> So there's just all sorts of like very, very dark humor, but uh, sewed into some very meditative and uh, methodically paced films that are composed of these sort of like vignettes. And uh, I, I really loved most of them, but Songs of the from the Second Floor uh, gets very high marks for me. So definitely sounds like a Dave movie and definitely sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's very it's that's very my lane. Sam, what is first on your list for a catch up review? So I am going to stick with like my hopeful Star Wars theme and I'm doing this, Connor, because I feel like this might be on your list too, but um, watching Obi-Wan Kenobi, I haven't finished the series yet, but um, I, the episodes I have seen, I think I just have two episodes, five and six left. I really like it. I know that um, as is typical with like the worst star wars fans they're like really dragging some parts um that i don't think are necessary um i 
I love it. I love the characters. The the one scene we get between, uh, no spoilers, but but between uh, Ewan McGregor and, um, oh my God, Hayden Christensen, I like weeping. Um, so I loved it. I, I removed it from my list because I figured you'd bring it up. Oh my God. Uh, oh no. One on. uh, no, I put another, I put a fourth one on. I've seen um, some stuff, other stuff. I've I just through the three episodes. I've seen some spoilers, not for the final episode, which came out today, but I've seen some spoiler stuff. And so I've life's just been crazy. So I'm excited to finish the series uh, hopefully soon. But yeah, I'm really loving it as well. And the child actor that they cast uh, for one role uh, was really phenomenal. Um, and scenes between um, her and Dua McGregor were pretty mm-hmm. touching. So kudos to any casting director for getting great child actors. Yeah. It, I mean, this, this character is phenomenal and I actually stopped watching the show in, until I, in, like until after I got my, um, Star Wars tattoo, because I was like, if they introduce anything that I'm going to change the design for, I'm going to be pissed. So I said, I held off just in case. So fortunately big, big, sigh of relief didn't have to edit anything <laughs> one um one surprise was that flea from the red hot chili peppers is in it <laughs> yo right like funny. what the hell was that i could it, i i took it seriously but i almost couldn't i was just like wait a second is that fucking flea mm-hmm. weird just got a shirt off rocking the bass in the cantina band <laughs> i wish that'd be amazing uh-huh well speaking of children i watched uh stranger things for the first six episodes were released, seven episodes. Uh, yeah, so the first, yeah, chunk of episodes were released with parts with the last two episodes coming out soon. I guess I'm like a medium Stranger Things fan. I really like season one, like most people. Season two, eh, season three was a little better than two, but I really think four is kind of like a back to basics, even though there's more characters than ever and it's just as kind of convoluted as game of thrones was with the number of characters and plots and locations you have to keep track of um the stuff that's happening in hawkins i think is really well done there's definitely some like oh these whether it's coronavirus or just these actors are getting older and doing other gigs like you can tell like oh they're segmenting people who they could only get to film so some of the b even there's like c plots i kind of lost my interest in but uh, sort of the main thrust of the drama of the season, I think, is uh, really compelling. And I'm really excited for the last two episodes. The second to last one is going to be 90 minutes, and the last episode is going to be two and a half hours. Oh, Jesus. Um, it sounds excessive and gratuitous, and it is, but I think it's really working this season. Um, and I'm glad it is. Well, I, Netflix, I'm sure just glad it is, because total like average of $30 million was spent on each episode just for the season. Jesus um, Christ, that is so much money. Yeah. Game of Thrones is only 10 million an episode in its final like two, three seasons. Wow. Can you imagine just like I can't even fathom what that amount of money looks like, mm-hmm. let alone spending that. Wow. Yeah, that's just that's just five million less than the next movie I'm gonna talk about. Yeah, so that's <laughs> kind of um, Connor Stranger Things was also on my list. It's funny 
we had, well, I think you and our colleague Joel have been talking about it. And I made a comment of like, I could not care any less about Stranger Things. Um, and then I got sick and was on TikTok a lot. And TikTok like Stockholm Syndrome me into being like, well, I basically watched the whole uh, season by just being on this stupid app. So I was like, oh, all right, well, you know. So I watched the first two episodes, completely fell in love with Eddie, decided that I was really, really bored with some of the B and C plots, as you said, and watched the rest of the season, fast forwarding through the parts that I didn't <laughs> find interesting. <laughs> um, I told one of my roommates that I did that and she was like flabbergasted. <laughs> It made me laugh, but yeah, I was like, you know what? This is how I'm going to watch TV now. Forget, forget. What did I say to you and Elizabeth? I, I'm, I'm not going to donate my time anymore to things that I don't care about. <laughs> yeah, something to that effect. Yeah. So, um, like you said, things that are happening in Hawkins is so fun, so interesting, so scary. Uh, everything else, I really don't care about. So I was, I was not wrong, but I also wasn't completely right. You did come in the other day saying, Connor, I have to tell you, I have to eat crow on Stranger Things. <laughs> That's how I was. I think you greeted me at like nine in the morning. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm actually like, um, because I can't like anything moderately. I, ha I have to go zero or a hundred. There's, like I said, no in between. Um, and I'm forcing my roommates to watch some parts of it with me. And um, the actor who plays Eddie, his name is Joe Quinn. He and a couple of the other cast members did a one-off D&D um, like YouTube video. It's about like an hour and a half. Uh, we're going to watch it tomorrow and we're going to like um, dress up in nerdy clothes, like all of our like nerdy fandom clothes and drink like um, soda that we normally don't, eat all the junk food and uh, really kind of lean into it. So I'm excited for that. And I think that stuff like that is when Stranger Things is at its strongest as like a brand and as a show. Um, I think it's when like is bringing people together around like nerd culture. Yeah, and totally. I'm glad, glad that season four is sort of, yeah, bringing that, that flavor back. Mm -hmm. Dave, have you ever seen any of the Stranger Things seasons? I, so I watched the first two episodes uh, the year they came out and thought to myself, like, yeah, I'm going to finish this someday. And I've never gone back to the well. So pretty far behind, but maybe someday. I, I would definitely say season one's worth a watch. Uh, seasons two and three. Yeah. Uh, Dave, what's your second pick? Is it related to children and or long episodes or something? Uh, no, it's neither. Well, <laughs> there, there is a child involved in this story, but it's very, uh, they play very sad role. Uh, I did go see Cronenberg's uh, new film, Crimes of the Future, uh, that having just been uh, released this year, uh, I think around like maybe like a month or so ago by the time this is coming out. I love Cronenberg, very big fan, have been for a long time. Uh, he doesn't always uh, hit the mark for me. And this is one where I initially walked away feeling that way. Uh, like I initially walked away thinking to myself, like parts of this, I think uh, all the ideas are super interesting. And some of them are a bit underdeveloped, especially given the way that the narrative plays out. But the more that I've thought about this movie, the more I'm kind of realizing I really, really like it. So I'm kind of turning like an interesting bend with it. I'm definitely going to watch it again, but I don't know that I'll make another trip to the theater. I, I do want to see it again, though, soon. 
Very interesting flick. Sort of a lot of interesting commentary about, like, uh, without necessarily spoiling anything, about, like, microplastics, um, about uh, the adapting human body in an increasingly synthetic environment, uh, and all of it with Cronenberg uh, returning to his more, like, uh, kind of, like, body horror-oriented roots. I mean, like, in the past few years, he's done some departures with things like Eastern Promises or History of Violence, which are violent in their own right, but not, like, outright body horror in the way that we're used to seeing from Cronenberg as far as, like, the transformation of bodies or the redefinition and evolution of bodies, uh, which is in full form here. Vigo Mortensen's performance is really great. Uh, I believe her name's Leah Shadu. French actress is fantastic in it. Kristen Stewart turns in a supremely confusing performance. She makes some interesting choices, but like they kind of work. Uh, and via Cronenberg, that was like kind of her choice wholly. Like he's he's not really a, a director that directs actors too much unless he feels they're really off base. So it seems like she made her choice and, and stuck to it in the movie, which uh, produces some interesting results. On the whole, though, definitely worth a look. Very, yeah, as I, as I said, kind of like an incomplete portrait of an interesting world that he sets up, but the the world itself is interesting enough that I will go back to it again uh, to reassess. So well, it was initially a little bit disappointed, but the more that I thought about the movie and the more that it really kind of, uh, really kind of, as Cronenberg movies are wont to do, uh, sunk its teeth into my brain as far as allegory and metaphor. It, it really kind of, it swayed me a lot more. I think it's one of the better movies that I've seen this year, the more that I think about it. And I know Tori, our friend Tori, of course, of Killer Bees, very much like the movie, uh, as did Garrett of Killer Bees. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what they say about it. I'm sure they could probably evangelize about it and, try and turn me a little bit. But I, I'm already coming around little by little. It's, it's an interesting journey with this one. I think it's always great when a movie sticks with you. I think that's always a really great feeling. And like you think about, like, yeah, it's just something that ruminates with you for a long time. Yeah, fortunately, I live about uh, like 40 minutes walk from the Boers uh, in Philadelphia. So walking back the whole way was just sort of like, well, but there's kind of this idea, but like, wait, did they do the thing? No, they didn't really. Is that part of this part of it? Wait, it was like, kind of just puzzling it together on the long walk, which is fun. I forget how fast of a walker you are. <laughs> That's true. I do walk really fast. <laughs> uh, Sam, what's next on your list? So we've already hit two of mine, Kenobi and Stranger Things. So um, I watched on the recommendation of, again, our uh, colleague, Jesus Christ, um, our colleague Joel, a series called Keep Sweet. It's a docu-series on Netflix about this Mormon community on the kind of Utah-Arizona border. And it is one of the most vile things I have ever experienced in my life. The fourth episode actually comes with a warning before it that says, hey, um, this is going to be nasty. If you can't handle that, then you don't need to watch this. Um, and I thought that was really nice. And uh, the docuseries itself was really well done. Um, and I also had <laughs> such a stupid moment of... Um, just me as a human being. So when I got COVID, I was watching Under the Banner of Heaven. And then I stopped watching it because I was like, oh no, I want to read the book first. So I started reading the book. And in the the, the first chapter or so of the book, uh, it talks about how um, whoever I want, whoever committed the 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 murder in Under the Banner of Heaven um was 
cellmates with the guy who Murder Among the Mormons is about on Netflix. And I was reading that and I was like, oh, holy shit. No way. This is like a crossover event. That's crazy. And then one of the lawyers or detectives, maybe I can't remember who that was in um, the story of under the banner of heaven was also in keep sweet. And I was like, Oh my God, it just keeps getting deeper. And I was like blown away that this was happening. And then I like had to take a step back and be like, this is a very insular community. Of course, these things are going to overlap. Think about what you're talking about. So that was dumb. I'm dumb. Uh, But I enjoyed both the FX series Under the Banner of Heaven and Keep Sweet. Talk about the MCU, the Mormon cinematic universe. Oh my God. Uh, this is not one that was on my list, but uh, I, I just, listen, I started uh, Under the Banner of Heaven, FX show. Uh, so we're two episodes in. Uh, I love Andrew Garfield. I'm glad he's having like a, re- a renaissance with um, Spider-Man. Tick, tick, boom. Tick, tick, boom. Another movie. And then also uh, Under the Banner of Heaven. So. We're just two episodes in, so I won't have that be one of mine. But you know what I've really liked about 2021 and 2022? It's the year of healing and second chances for actors that deserve better. So Andrew Garfield and his Spider-Man, Hayden Christensen. I'm here for it. This is the 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 opposite of our villain era. This is our hero. Well, maybe not hero, but this is our um not asshole era. I definitely agree for Andrew Garfield, but I haven't finished Kenobi, so I'll have to see how Hayden Christensen does with that. But I am happy to see that he's been getting lots of positive attention because people were cruel to him for a very long time. That's true. I, I Yeah, I, I wish the guy well. I, I just don't... Uh, well, I'll, I'll, we'll see. I, I'll have to see him act again. Well, I mean, here's the thing. You don't have to like his acting, but don't be a fucking dickwad, you know? Sure, sure. That's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. so that's, that's what I mean. Yeah, I get that. feel that. Next on my list, so I'm switching some things around the last minute because I remembered that I rewatched Batman Begins on my flight to and from Nashville. So we've talked about a few Nolan movies over the past couple months. And so it was interesting going to Batman Begins because it doesn't really feel like a Nolan movie in some ways. And it's such a Nolan movie in other ways as well. You can tell that he's sort of trying to understand like filming action because there's a lot of like very quick cuts and it's all jumbled, which I think works because Batman's like quickly beating up people and you're kind of, you know, that's from the thug's perspective. So he's like moving very quickly and causing lots of fear. Thematically, I think it's one of the most crystal clear Nolan movies. Um, Many characters many times state what the themes of the movie are, how they feel about things. I think in like a good way, like it's not, I don't know, it's no Inception, it's no um, Tenet, Everything is like laid out very nicely. Some good twists here or there. Liam Neeson, uh, I think, turns into a great performance as Ray Shao Ghoul, but they keep calling him Raza Ghoul in the movie. Um, and honestly, I'm going to take back what I've said about Batman Begins. Maybe I've said on the podcast a few times, but the gassing the city plot works, um, I think, really effectively. Lots of movies threaten to gas the city, shoot the blue lightning into the sky. Uh, but I think Batman Begin does it really well. Although I wish Nolan embraced comic book things a little more because Cillian Murphy and Scarecrow, that's a great casting, great actor and character. And mm-hmm. it's pretty a throwaway, like pretty plot devicey. So I, it would be awesome if that character with that actor ever got to shine again in some other 
multiverse of madness batman movie you know i actually just saw batman begins for the first time a couple months ago it's crazy you would mention that i don't know how i avoided seeing it since i've seen like the dark knight the dark knight rises so many times but killian murphy just came back in uh uh p blinders which i started watching too and it's, it's really good that's not a part of my thing but i'm just saying he's great dave how about pick number three for you well, I did see, uh, and it's a shame Christine isn't here to talk about this. I did see the card counter, uh, Paul Schrader's latest offering that uh, just recently released to HBO. It's an interesting movie. Uh, I don't know that it's well. It's, it's like mid tier for him. I think it's a pretty it's a pretty solid movie. Uh, it's a pretty simple story, but Isaac's really knocks it out of the park as he is wont to do most of the time. I think he really con- turns in a very convincing performance from a very like stilted and like distanced character so he really he he breathes life into it in a way that would have been difficult i think for other actors um film also has uh who else tiffany haddish is uh very good in it uh turns in a really good performance who's who's the uh ready player one kid again is that uh tyler sheridan 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 ty sheridan yes ty sheridan uh an interesting character not the best performance but what are you gonna do um why does the kid keep getting roles in fucking Cyclops? Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but no, no, no. Oh, I've seen him. I've seen him be good in a movie called The Entertainment, but that's a very strange sort of like indie. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, on the whole, though, the movie is really interesting. Has some interesting things to say about. Uh, f- uh, finally, after like however many years, a post uh, Afghanistan war environment and and the consequences of that and the toll it took on on certain people. Um, so, yeah, an interesting movie and complex. Although it did kick me back, though, into First Reformed, which I haven't seen and revisited in a long time. And uh, going back to that, I, I adore that movie. It's it's definitely uh, up there for me in, like, maybe, like, top, I don't know, maybe 25 at best. But it's in the mix. Ethan Hawke is just, like, towering in that movie. Um, the the atmosphere is really interesting because it's, it's kind of Schrader. He, he wrote a book. I forget when it was. It was a little bit before he started working on film, uh, about film, uh, specifically from the lens of like how visual imagery connects to conveying the like sense of like discernment in some very thoughtful ways via visual imagery. And that, that's something that like that movie nails completely, just its atmosphere, its tone, its pacing, um, and the way that it approaches uh, Christianity. Even as, as someone who is now a non-Christian, I think really rings very true to some of the like tentpole ideas of, of that religion in particular. And uh, though, though being a dark film uh, and though being a film that is uh, at times pretty almost abstract uh, and pretty, frankly, depressing, really kind of illuminates some ideas of Christianity that we don't so often see or think about in conversation anymore, largely because of how the religion has been co-opted by like the religious right. But uh yeah, just a really interesting and thoughtful material to be mined there. So I would say if you've not seen uh, First Reformed, that is one to go check out. It's on Showtime right now, uh, but it's probably able to be rented elsewhere. I think it's uh, one of Schrader's best pieces and uh, what, one that having returned to it for the first time in a long time really paid off in, in a really powerful and impactful way. We did an episode on First Reformed several years ago, right? No, we've never done First Reformed. I probably talked about it over the course of many episodes, but we've never sunk our teeth into it properly. Although someday we'll pour ourselves a little bit of Pepto-Bismol into a big glass of whiskey and we'll talk about it. (laughs) No spoilers. 
Um, so the, the the next thing on my list is a movie this time around, and it's one that I've mentioned on the podcast before. It's Maximum Overdrive. I went home a little bit this weekend um, before I got sick. Um, it was for Father's Day. I was going to spend the, a three-day weekend at home with my parents. We were going to go kayaking. What ended up happening is I drove home, got my car inspected, watched Maximum Overdrive, and then immediately had to turn around and go home because I was scared that I had COVID again and I didn't want to give it to my parents. But uh, what a wonderful movie to revisit. It is completely ridiculous and I'm so much better for having revisited it. Also, uh, I, I did not remember this whatsoever, but the actor who plays Moff Gideon in The Mandalorian is actually very small part in maximum overdrive so i was like man he looks kind of like that guy and the timing like and the age they all match up so it was it was wild and i couldn't believe that i was right but um there's something so special about maximum overdrive what was it stephen king's first feature film it opens up with a really great scene of him Stephen King at an ATM and uh, instead of giving him money the ATM says uh, you're an asshole over and over again god damn I feel like I reference this movie so often and I wish more people watched it god because it's it's not good but it's good you know that's a very good description yeah that's a Stephen King movie I haven't seen yet I will give you my Amazon login I have it please watch it (laughs) It's a very like wild a movie. It's very fun, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, honestly, I hate to be like one of those like tin hatters. It's it's possible. It's so possible <laughs> these days. <laughs> and it's also like a nice way to bond with my dad. So it was, it was I, did, I didn't get what I wanted to, spending time with him, but at least we had maximum overdrive. <laughs> you know, the movies that bring us together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There will always be rogue machines to bind us together, yeah. I want that embroidered on a pillow. (laughs) All right, so on to our last picks. I wanted to save favorite one for last, and that was I saw the Bob's Burgers movie in theaters twice. Twice! Um, Twice! Both buns. I I got both buns covered. Uh, (laughs) I'm a huge fan of the show. Uh, I got into it through um, my friend Christina. I was like, yeah, I, I saw a few episodes here and there, but she's a huge fan, showed showed us, and we also became huge fans. I think the movie was everything that like a Bob's Burgers fan could hope for. It was supposed to come out, I think, in 2020, so it's been delayed a couple years. Um, so it's awesome to see get the theatrical release that it deserves. I'm glad it wasn't bumped to Hulu or you know some other streaming service. Uh, and you just don't see a lot of 2D animation on the big screen anymore. So that was something that I was like really appreciating and uh, happy to go see it twice. There was, we just didn't really have anything to do one afternoon. So we just went to go see it again. Um, the songs are great. It's a whodunit, but the whodunit doesn't really matter. It's all about like what the characters are doing and react and feel. So I think it's, uh, it's a really successful movie and added to the rotation of the Bob's Burgers stuff that we watch. Um, just like any episode, I'm sure we'll be throwing that on pretty frequently. So gorgeous animation. One of my favorite movies I've seen in a while. And I, I think the last movie I saw twice in theaters was Guardians of the Galaxy 1 in 2014. I can't remember the last movie I saw twice in theaters. It's possible there's been one since, but 
Um, now Bob's Burgers, holds that crown. Yeah, big fan of that show. I'm really looking forward to checking that out because I have heard uh, pretty much in concert, Connor, with the way you describe it, that if, if you're a fan, it's going to deliver what you want as a movie and like a long form version of what they do. So I'm sure that's pretty great. I'm going to check that out hopefully soon. And if you get a chance, I definitely recommend seeing it in theaters. I know it kind of has like a quasi limited release, but it's definitely, I'm glad I saw it on the big screen. It was really cool. Dave, what is your fourth and final pick for our summer catch up episode? Well, as uh, listeners know, uh, probably uh, if you've been keeping up with the show since its inception, I've been a very big fan and a vocal uh, vocal cheerleader for Robert Eggers. Uh, he, the director of The Witch and The Lighthouse, The Lighthouse, the latter of which we covered uh, as an episode a long time ago with our buddy Tom. Uh, and he has uh, seemingly, based on that reputation, built up a following uh, within the industry such that he was offered quite a lot of money to make his uh, most recent offering, The Northman, which uh, just came out this year. Uh, I was sort of looking forward to it in the sense that, like, it's a. I, I understood it to be basically no spoilers, really, because it's it's hard to spoil something that is ultimately this simple. Uh, it is kind of just a Viking revenge tale uh, that does, in some ways, model itself after Hamlet. But um, I found that that very simple story and the very familiar beats played out fascinatingly within the context of a big budget Eggers film. It, it's clearly him doing some showing off, but in a way that is earned and totally like cohesive with his other work, there is like a constant sense simultaneously of like wonder and fear, which I think is one of the like strengths of his other two films. So pretty wonderful performances. Willem Dafoe uh, shows up yet again to turn in a pretty great performance. Uh, Alex uh, Alexander Skarsgård uh, turns in a pretty wild performance and like obviously physically like built himself into something for this movie. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy provides a very nuanced and uh, really pretty captivating performance. And uh, Nicole Kidman kind of uh, really bringing up the uh, the the lesser, the well, uh, not a lesser part. It's, it's a pretty important part, but getting a little less screen time, but really bringing a real presence to her role as well. Uh, visually, it's wonderful, uh, just captivating stuff. Uh, it, it's something that a housemate, housemate has uh, very quickly pointed out as someone who plays video games a lot. Very like, uh, very like cutscene oriented. It does have like the feel of a video game at times a little bit, including like outright boss fights. Uh, but uh, yeah, just uh, seeing what he does with a big budget and a simple story while remaining true to his vision as established so far through his filmography was really impressive and really cool. I would suggest that it is probably the weakest of his films so far, but I really admire his ambition. So uh, on the whole, would definitely recommend The Northman, which is streaming on Peacock right now and exclusively on Peacock, as far as I know. I'm so happy to hear that you liked it because I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. And I love that episode of the lighthouse recording with our friend, Tom is always something that'll hold dear. And it's not always that a movie kind of makes us record just a one-off episode just about it. So I think, um, that's the only one I think. Yeah. <laughs> so far. we also, we also did a Rosemary's baby episode as well. Yeah. But that's not like really, re- what, uh, what way, like, uh, like relevant to its release or what do you mean? Oh no. Well, we just talked about it cause it was Halloween. Oh. oh, you mean, oh, yeah, so, yeah, you're right, so you're right, The Lighthouse was a new release. Depending on different, yeah, however you want to yeah. frame it, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I guess every episode we talk about one movie, so ignore what I just said. 
most of, most of them most, most of them but yeah uh, it's uh yeah it's one to see so i'm really excited to see it um he'll probably he i imagine he'll be a director where anything he releases i'll be interested in seeing so yeah so i check it out soon hopefully yeah and as i say it's the weakest of his films that's that's a very very high bar so don't take that to mean that it isn't good <laughs> sam round us out what's your fourth pick so because I've been sick so much, uh, my fourth pick has to be the inside of my eyelids. Uh, I've been sleeping quite a bit. So uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't really have a fourth pick. However, um, when, uh, I was at work one for one day this past week and in that one day i made my presence everyone's problem and i started talking about movies and shows i was watching and um dave i i know actually both of you you were both on the receiving end of it um but <laughs> uh one of our colleagues i was talking to her about maximum overdrive and then for somehow i shifted into telling her the entire arc of the rocky movies <laughs> why exactly they were so important um and and she gave me one of the biggest compliments i've ever been given in my life which was she just wants to listen to me tell the plot of every movie and suggested I do YouTube videos where I'm doing something else while also giving the plot of a certain movie. And you know what? I don't think I could ever do that. Um, but should we ever want to do like a like an Instagram reel or something along that line, I would be happy to do it. Tell us if that's something you'd be interested in. Um, I would... I would be very, very willing to sit someone down and chat with them about the Rocky movies in about like mm, probably eight to 10 minutes. I could do it. That's a pretty, okay. That's a pretty fast crash course. We might have to try that sometime. I can do it because I'm so erratic in general that I know <laughs> I'll be missing really big parts, but it won't matter. <laughs> so wait, did this include the Creed films or no? No, it didn't include the Creed okay. films, but it went all the way up to Balboa. Wow. Yeah. I went there. I spent a lot of time talking about <laughs> Mr. T and also how Rocky ended the Cold War. <laughs> yeah, I sure did. Facts. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam, what was the name of the arm wrestling movie we watched? Let's oh my see. God, Over the Top. Over the Top. There we go. Shout out to Over the Top. Yeah, like... It was truly an uh, underappreciated, incredible movie. I was also telling this person about Over the Top, too. I forgot about that. They really got an earful for me. I kind of feel bad about it now, but I literally couldn't help myself. I hadn't seen people in so long. I'd been, like, self-isolating in my bedroom for a while. Yeah, I will say that is trippy, actually, having done the same. It's like re-entering is just like, yeah, it's, it's hard to know when to shut up a little bit. It's just it's kind of creepy. It's weird. It is. And I, I have a problem with that in general. So like add that to the mix and then I can't ever shut up. <laughs> yeah. I can't ever shut up either. I think that's why I think that's what leads some of us to podcasting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I feel like we haven't, you know, three of us, we haven't chat in a while. So it's great to catch up. Great to hear uh, what folks have been watching. It's been a while folks. We're going to, we're going to build back butter. That's what we're going to do. Oh my God. <laughs> 
bring oh, down that's... the gas prices and talk about some really special movies. <laughs> Someone's going to fall off a bike. It's going to be great. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a world. 2022. You were the chosen one. And still, no. We're still waiting for our chosen year. Uh, well, any kind of final thoughts or any other quick wrap-up? Things we've seen or excited for? I'm excited for Thor Love and Thunder to come out in about two weeks. So, oh, my God. Same. Um, yeah, I love Taika, Taika Waititi, so. Yeah, oh, you know what? Here, Here's something else I'll say. I spent a lot of my time when I was sick re- constantly refreshing my Instagram because of Chris Evans and the press he's done for Lightyear. And then he did the puppy interview with BuzzFeed. I, I take back my fourth pick. It's not the inside of my eyelids. It's it's Instagram and his, like, his interviews and, and reels. You have been very on top of that, yeah. <laughs> Once again, I have made it everyone else's problem. <laughs> <laughs> blessing. Everyone else's blessing. Well, yeah. Yes, yes, a blessing. Sure. Sam, you are a blessing. Oh, a buttery thanks. blessing. Well, let's calm down. Oh, <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining in, uh, listeners, whatever time of day you're listening. Be sure to let us know what films and or TV shows and or Chris Evans media you've been checking out. Uh, at butter with that podcast at gmail.com or on Facebook or Instagram at butter with that and butter with that one on Twitter um, from me at the buttery news desk. Have a good, whatever. <laughs> Bye. I like, I like popcorn. So it's just a good, I spilled the bowl and then it, it's all over. This has been a Movie John podcast.